Welcome back to Revive, the marketing podcast for manufacturers. My name is Clint, and I am here with my fellow Viver, Austin. And today we have a really exciting guest for you. Uh, we have the guys from CI Design. Yeah, CI Design. They're a cool agency right down the street from us. Uh, they do a lot of app development, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, and we'll kind of get into that today. Yeah, they do a lot of high-profile work. They work with the Wisconsin Sports Awards. They work with the Milwaukee Brewers, as well as a lot of other companies that you would definitely recognize. So we're excited to talk to these guys, and uh, let's invite them on. All right, we are here with the fellas from CI Design. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. we got three of them here. we got Jim, Brent, Scott. I'll let them introduce themselves a little bit farther, though. Uh, Jim. Sure. Thanks, Clint. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we represent CI Design. I'm CEO and Creative uh, Director. And with me today is Scott Hill, our Chief Operating Officer. Hello. And Brent Kaufman, Director of Digital Alliances. Hi there. Would you know that this month is 25 years? Well, congratulations. Yeah. Silver anniversary. Yeah. Um, we're right across the street from your office. It was a, a short walk over today. <laughs> um, and when we moved to our office space uh, across the street from you 24 years ago, uh, it was about five employees. Wow. And it is now 33. Uh, in fact, we had a new start today. So um, just feeling really blessed um, on that growth and all that we cover. CI Design is a brand and marketing company. Um, that would be the way that we say it. Our history, going back to the land before the internet, was traditional brand and print wares that, that we put out. And you know we've grown into a number of different verticals. Manufacturing has been a primary vertical. Uh, financial services, banks and insurance companies, all sorts of higher education, sports, and some really neat opportunities there. A host of other professional services um, that we have clients in. Um, and as we grew up as a brand and marketing firm, print also um, had, a, had its counterpart in video Mm -hmm. photography and video and so we built out that discipline just great hires and great process to get us uh, super deliverables for our clients and a, a tremendous digital department and digital for us started as UX and great front end and back end development and literally really calling ourselves a software developer because a lot of our solutions might not even find themselves uh, you know, on a public-facing website, but on a server performing tasks that software um, can, can only do for a, a client. But uh, websites, software, and apps. And so if you remember, um, 2008, it's the first year Apple started the, the App Store. In that same year, um, we hired our first iOS developer. Got about this business of what to do with apps. Later, and we'll probably cover this later, um, we certainly went all platform for Android and, and even some Microsoft deployments of apps. 
Um, but now boasting of right around 100 apps that we've done. Um, most have been for the manufacturing space. What we would umbrella those apps of, of function um, under at the beginning would have been calculators and configurators, but now has evolved into what we call sales enablement apps. Really glad you're here. You talked a lot about these sales enablement apps. Maybe you want to get into that a little bit farther of how, how those work and what they are exactly. Yeah. Um, in, our, in our first outings with apps, we found ourselves um, creating calculators or configurators for a sales or distributor to help their prospect through a decision matrix. Put them in the right product, educate them on what's out there and what they're offering, uh, that, that particular company's offering is, and guide them into a, a decision for a sale. And so those first apps are pretty simple. Uh, maybe it would be a voltage question. You know, are you running, um, do, do you have a need for this kind of voltage or this frame size, uh, yada, yada, some, some, some different types of specs that was helping narrow down your, let's start that over. I like your question. So give, give that to me one more time. How did I ask that again? I think it's just sales enablement. I'll just, okay. I can yeah, no, I that. We'll keep your question. You guys talked a lot about sales enablement apps. Um, could you just go into a little bit further what those are and how they work? Yeah, you bet. In our early days, what we found um, that was giving a lot of lift to our clients was creating calculators or sort of a decision matrix configurator app. Very sort of single focused apps that a salesperson or a distributor could run a prospect through a series of questions. And the result would be, um, you know, qualifying the need for a product and then perhaps putting them in the exact right size product or configuration uh, that they might be looking for. If you stand back from that um, procedure that that they're running through, what what we what we realize what we are doing is creating a sales and enablement environment where the salesperson um, was walking somebody through a decision process and ending up with a conversion, a sale. Well, how could we do that a little more holistically than just jumping right into one product line and helping narrow down? to a particular product, what about a whole offering sales organization might have a manufacturer? And so we backed up and said, let's see the presentations that you're going to the field with. What are, what are your customers experiencing you first on a, on a sales funnel uh, sort of conversion process? And we were, you won't be surprised, we were pretty scared with what we saw of these PowerPoint decks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Terrifying. <laughs> Frankenstein like crazy. And literally, you know, as the telephone game would go, I was quite mortified to see them really get off brand. The voice would change. Um, visually, hor horrific things happen in PowerPoint and, and that. So, um, but, but more so, we, we, as part of our research, 
into each engagement, we said, pitch us. Let's, let, how, does your, how does your presentation deck go? And in a couple cases, we went out on the road with our, um, with our, our clients' uh, sales force. And you know, all of what I'm pointing to was confirmed. These were not great engagements. And they weren't, in, they weren't great engagements, and the organizations were sometimes really very much expecting the salesperson to make a conversion, a sale, that first time out with the only tool they had was I'd kind of um, make the motion of, of two hands opening a laptop and creating what, like a barrier between you and me, Clint, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's a cumbersome thing to go through a deck. Um, it, it's almost like playing Battleship. You know, you put up that wall between us and yeah. I won't show you what I got, but I, oh, okay, I'll, I'm going to turn it around. It's, it's just awkward. It's awkward to deal with this this laptop thing. So at one level, apps and iPads or a Surface um, really kind of open up the discussion. We like that. But it's more of the magic of what we could do inside of uh, the presentation side of things. Not only can we now design out things that can't happen in PowerPoint, transitions, um, beautiful animations, and the ability to open hand, you know, motion that I'm making here, invite somebody to touch the screen. Here, let me hand it to you. Um, Maybe the prospect's a husband and wife. And in one case, um, one of the manufacturing categories that we're in is water filtration and water softening. And we have, um, as a part of of that slide deck um, that we started with and the engagement and experience we created, a place to do a very much a, an ROI type of, of, of thing. This is, this is great on a number of levels. Maybe you've invited somebody into your home to pitch you on water softening, but what's it going to do for me? And we did some very clever things there where the, the prospect could tap items in the house that they clean, need to use soaps and waters and things on, and it was instantly showing you a cost savings, or at least how much of a cost savings. Um, in another case, um, question of water hardness by region of the country that this large manufacturer was selling in. And so water hardness in California is going to be very different from the Midwest. And as as that prospect would be tapping on the screen in, in our environment, be specific to them to see what kind of savings, very truthful, you know, uh, reveal of data. So there's, there's neat things um, that we could give in an experience like that. But for whatever industry um, we are in, we really consulted with our clients to say, how may we show features and benefits, but remove barriers to sale that a human would have the questions in the dialogue you're presenting how can we how can we advise you on the order of the presentation to naturally walk somebody on the path giving them proof giving them giving the customer prospect proof of in what we learn from watching the sales folks present to us um, was clear to us that there was a story a narrative that we could add um, and walk 
the cus- their customer through a much nicer experience that had a story and had a start and, and a beginning. One that talked about features and benefits, but also really related to the human and removed barriers to sale. If it was cost, if it was ROI, if it was a number of topics, we were able to address those in meaningful, engaging experiences. And our customers started seeing lift. Uh, in one case, and this is early on, a couple years into our experience of doing sales enablement apps, out of one office, um, a national company that had different sales offices, they saw a 40% lift in conversions when they got to a certain point in the presentation the customer they could tell was much more engaged and and you know let me hold that let me let me play with this and analytics then to the apps we're building proved out to everybody that those that the salespeople that were using the presentation the way it was intended to and stopped at a certain point in the presentation to let the customer hold the device and engage in it those were the one that was the the difference that that office um, found this um, conversion that they could boast about and we taught that to the rest of the users so analytics was a really neat play in the success of of how we've been building apps so so say your client comes to you and they they want this app the sales enablement app what's the process you go through and how do you roll it out throughout their corporation Sure, I'll take that. Um, so for our clients in manufacturing, intellectual property, practices in the field, sales, how their sales force handles their product, how they represent their product is all very proprietary. And uh, we need to protect that. So what you'll find with our apps, um, there's really only, I think, two of them that are available in the public sort of app stores, and those are consumer-level uh, apps. When we're talking about sales enablement and and corporate information being um, transmitted through the apps, uh, we work in a different way. Apple has their enterprise distribution network, so as a manufacturer, you would sign up for an account that allows you to internally distribute to employees only uh, in a closed environment your apps. Um, Android a little less controlled, but we built uh, a system that allows our clients to distribute the apps internally only. That way, um, the the general public and competitors, more importantly, can't get a hold of that information. It's our job, obviously, to protect that. Um, So a couple other uh, permutations on that security topic are that uh, uh, we will control logins to the apps, make sure that uh, active employees only can start the app. The app will check check in with a server and make sure that one, it has the latest information, product information, uh, scripting, images, whatnot, uh, but also that uh, that user uh, is uh, supposed to be using the app. And if not, it will disable the app in the field so that the app can't be distributed, say an iPad walks or something like that. Um, so we have a, a, a very large uh, responsibility to our clients in distribution Um, and it's all handled uh, internally behind the scenes we help our clients get set up with that as more or less a foreign topic to a lot of them 
Uh, and then as we update those apps, those will roll out transparently behind the scenes. Next time somebody logs in and gets validated, the app's going to be updated for them along with all the data that I mentioned. So uh, it's, a, it's a, a real neat, secure way, and, and the clients can, can trust that, uh, that their property and their app is in a controlled environment. How do you differentiate these apps? I mean, I know they're secure, so they can't see, competitors can't see their app. But what if a competitor comes and says, I want an app too? How do you, is it just depending on what they need? Or how do you differentiate those two apps? The design or? Are there different people that work on, say, the aesthetic versus the actual coding in the background? Well, when, you, when you're talking about UX and storytelling, um, that all has to go from creative and then be represented in, in code ultimately and feature base. Um, but what's interesting is that there's, uh, there are some commonalities uh, in, in a sales process, uh, whether you are business to consumer, business to business, or, you know, um, uh, but each company has a different method, a different practice of selling, a different variety uh, of products or, or features, functionality of products. So when it comes to us firewalling, this is what you're asking, is firewalling ourselves if we work within an industry at any level. Um, we look at each client uniquely. We look at their needs. We look at their decision making. Uh, and we define a solution based on that. If that solution has some similarities, uh, behind the scenes commonality, um, that's a matter of happenstance, not by design. Mm -hmm. It's because that's the best way to serve that client. And then we explore and celebrate all the differences uh, that they require in that technology. Uh, no two companies really are as similar, even, even in a competitive industry. You might think they are, um, but there really are nuances and, and ways of doing things and, and uh, operating processes that are different between manufacturers. I know at Vive we, we deal with that sometimes too, being strictly in the manufacturing sector. How are we going to differentiate from one client to another? And I mean, at least our response is typically, I mean, who better to know that differentiation than us? We're going to purposely make things individualistic and not copycat. Whereas if you went somewhere else, they might say, oh, they did a really good job there. Let's try to take A, B, C from this, where you guys, you guys are close to it. You guys know that you're going to make things different for each client. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, even if we were to pursue a client in uh, the same sort of uh, product offering, it has <clears throat> never been ours to yet sort of uh, template anything. Right. We um, have ideas for the future of uh, and have some platform products that CI will release and then that discussion is a little different you know we're asking would you like to subscribe to a platform that we've built so far everything's been bespoke and um, very different like Scott said I wanted to mention here's a, a brand and marketing company with the portfolio that we have in apps and the sales enablement primarily for manufacturing you know sort of how did we get there? Yeah. Ask, I, I, I kind of wanted to um, uh, unpack that. You know, brand, as it relates to the consumer, we get that. You know, we have to, pro, pro, um, you know, portray uh, who we are and, and, and get that to them. 
But there's a brand step in the sales enablement um, piece that is, is a great solve, and that is unifying sort of the sales, or maybe it's a distribution force that has um, deployed the, that we've deployed the app to. Messaging to them as they're getting updates is the same and consistent and very unifying. We have somebody in this side of the country or this side of the globe and somebody uh, opposite. Um, well, that information is, is being treated you know, the same for both. Um, and, and so that's really neat. Uh, you know, we know that the information is consistent. As Scott mentioned, we may be turning on um, access on one device and turning it off somewhere else. So, um, so it really ser- serves and activates that sales force uh, uniquely. And I wanted to say, too, none of the features and things that we put in are novel for novel's sake. Mm-hmm. We really get at the heart of what can, what can a, a mobile device, phone or tablet, do uniquely that makes it a better experience and number of different drag and and watch a slider show ROI um, certainly we do that or um, video engagements that take place at the right point in the sales process um, but we're really excited about our incorporation now for five years we we go um, all the way back to infant place where with augmented reality and virtual reality All right, and that concludes part one of our podcast with the fellas from CI Design. Austin and I would like to extend our gratitude to Jim, Scott, and Brent. We really appreciate them coming on, and we are looking forward to sharing part two of our podcast with them with you guys coming up uh, very soon. Uh, We are going to dive a little bit more into the differences between augmented reality and virtual reality, so look for that coming shortly. Thanks, guys.